I still don't like the way that microphone is set up. It's like half the screen. It's right in your face? Yeah. Oh, you are cranky. All right. That's okay. I can deal with it. So you're drinking coffee. I'm drinking a little wine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. What kind of wine? Uh, it's like called... Uh, it, it's a Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's called Behringer. Oh, yes. Californian. Yeah. You've had it. Oh, yeah. Yep. It's a nice uh, kind of upper middle tier. Middle yeah. middle tier. Kind of like a $20, $20 a bottle sort of range. Yeah. It's great. It's a good wine. I like it. And there, there's better. There's higher levels of it as well. But yeah, I know. It. It's a nice, nice wine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that I'm a big fan of Jay Lore as well. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't know that they made a Pinot Noir, so I picked it up the other day because I've been drinking their, their Cabernet Sauvignon for a long time. And, uh, yeah, they make a Pinot Noir. It's good. It's, it, uh, it's very tasty. Jay Lore is also Californian, right? Yes, it is. I am very partial to California wines. Fell in love like a long time ago. So I have three kind of go-to's. Uh, I like uh, California. That would be my absolute favorite. Followed very closely by Chilean wines. Fer- followed very closely by uh, Australian wines. So, yeah, Australian wines are very popular here in Asia due to the proximity. Right. Yeah, you're closer for sure. S- some are better than others, but actually, in Tokyo, wine is reasonably priced. Okay. But if you go to places like Singapore. Wine is not reasonably priced. Interesting. It, it's ridiculously expensive. They really nail you in Singapore on anything that's imported, hmm. especially alcohol. Well, it's a tricky game, the alcohol game, which I know nothing about. So really what I just said is complete bullshit. I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, what do you want to talk about today? What do you have in mind? I don't know if it'll change my mood much, but maybe we talk about my procedure. Okay, we can talk about your procedure. Um, Yeah, fire away on your procedure. You ask me about it and I'll tell you. Okay, all right. All right, so you and I have talked about this before a little bit um, because I had been interested in, well, we're both getting to that age of like, uh, you know, you kind of have to wonder about what's going on inside your body. Yes. And uh, one of the things that they recommend as you approach the age of 50, uh, which we both aren't, but we're, we're you know, getting toward that age, um, is the colonoscopy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you had mentioned recently that you had had a colonoscopy, and I had said that, you know, I was thinking about probably getting one at some point in the very near future. And... Uh, uh, you proceeded to then tell me all about your procedure. So, by the way, I'd just like to say the word procedure is something that old people say. So, you know, like, you don't, <laughs> it's something that my grandfather would say. Oh, I went to the the, the, uh, uh, the hospital for a procedure. And, you know, this is just like, the, it just, it's a blanket statement that covers everything invasive, right? It could be uh, you know, someone looked at your eye to uh, someone stuck a camera up your arse and yes. had a look around. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Anyway, so we had talked about your quote-unquote procedure, and uh, I asked you some questions, and um, I'm going to ask you those questions again. 
because uh, it was fun to listen to. So, um, all right. So, uh, tell me about. I know that they give you something to sort of va- like evacuate everything inside of you before you uh, you go to the hospital. Tell me about that experience. All right. Well, first of all, what do they what do they give you? Okay, let me back it up just a bit. So, as I've learned, as I've gotten older. Typically, the age where a man typically, and actually, I have to say, I don't know if this includes women or not. I mean, women can get colonoscopies. Women and men both have colons, but... Wait, what? I didn't know that. <laughs> so... Okay, continue. You have... The, the typical time for a male to undergo a colonoscopy is about the age of 50. I think they recommend that, yeah. That's that's the recommended time. Now, if you have a genetic, any any history in the family of colon cancer or colon issues, the recommendation is that you potentially go sooner than that. Or if you have symptoms of any sort that could potentially be related to the colon, that you could have a colonoscopy to... Uh, rule out or get a get a better look at what's going on inside. So as a matter of practice, most men should be starting at age 50 to getting this done unless they, as I said, have a genetic disposition potentially to something colon-related like colon cancer or polyps that they should get checked out sooner. So in my case, I was... I was feeling symptoms, you know, pains in my stomach and kind of in the area of the colon and went to, went to see um, a doctor about it. And they said, you know, they gave me a physical inspection. They felt my stomach and they said, you know, it feels fine. Everything feels normal, but I think it would be a good idea that you get, undergo one of these, these uh, undergo a colonoscopy because, you know, I'm 47, so I'm not 50 yet, but I'm getting close and we might as okay, well wait hold on hold on one second what kind of pains um pains like little they they're very actually they're sometimes they're little prickly pains like prickles um sometimes like little tiny electric shocks mm. sometimes like okay. someone's taking like a maybe a pencil inside with a, a sharp t- tip to it and kind of just not stabbing away but just poking and prodding inside your inside your belly and and are these like are these symptoms of that kind of thing like symptoms of what i don't know symptoms of having polyps or symptoms of having like some kind of a uh colon issue yeah they can be polyp polyps i don't think unless they're really big don't really exhibit any symptoms they're generally I ask these questions because I don't know. Yeah, like I, no, yeah, and it's good. I genuinely don't. And know. I want people to know about this. I want people that are listening to hear w- about this because I want to demystify it a little bit and and just point out how important this this really is. And anyway, so yeah, little sharp pains. Sometimes it would feel like indigestion. Sometimes it would feel like almost like uh, muscle cramp, cramping mm-hmm. or muscle muscle pull, like you know after you did a. a, a an ab workout you know how you have that sore belly or Mm. sore ab muscles so similar to that i mean it was and it would move all over the place it was everywhere so it wasn't like one specific spot 
So anyway, I went for the procedure, uh, and you know, I, this seems to be the year of the colonoscopy because I know at least three other people who've had them in the last few months, so I've heard varying details about what's involved. I really wasn't, and most most people said, oh, it's not not a big deal, it's, it's pretty standard procedure, as you said. <laughs> you have to say it the right way, procedure. <laughs> Anyway, go on. And so I decided, yeah, I mean, what have I got to lose? I mean, I've 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 had these pains for a while now and I thought let's just do this. It's the one thing they haven't looked at. I've had CAT scans, I've had ultrasounds, I've had various other things I'll spare I'll spare the the audience of, but I'm totally interested. <laughs> well, I'll share it with you another time. <laughs> And anyway, so went in, went in for the procedure. Okay, so that's I think that was your question, right? So it, what, 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 actually, what was your original question? So my original question was, uh, they give you something before you go in, so you don't like, you know, oh, yeah. shart all over the table, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So they they evacuate everything inside of you, and apparently, it's a pretty potent mix, whatever it is that they give you. Yeah, so I don't want to gross everybody out, but again, I think it's important to kind of understand this stuff. First, ah, who cares? Gross everybody. Out. All right. First of all, it's it's all very normal. Uh, I mean, what they basically give you is a, a laxative, and you take you take something at night before you you go to bed. It's um, it's like a drink, though, right? Yeah, it's a little drink the night before with water. If I I, rem- I seem to remember. And then the next morning, oh, and you can't eat anything, I think, after 8 o'clock the night before. And I've read up on this. I think every everybody, there's slight differences to how these procedures happen or how these how the prep for this happens. But anyway, it's a laxative the night before. And then in the morning, they give you this bag with powder in it. And it's got these measuring levels on it. And what you do, actually, you're supposed to do this the night before, is you fill the bag Bit by bit, you shake it, add more water, shake it, add a bit more water, shake it until you get up to 500 milliliters or whatever it is. And then you close up the bag and put it into the refrigerator overnight. The next morning, you get up, and at about 8 a.m., you're supposed to start drinking a certain amount of this every 10 minutes until it's gone. So it works out to maybe an hour worth of drinking this thing in increments. Okay. And, yeah, at first you're like, I don't really notice anything. Nothing's happening. And then eventually, yeah, you just start needing to go to the bathroom. And what it's really doing, and they give you this kind of gross color chart of what you're, <laughs> what, what you're <laughs> depositing is supposed to look like. That's it's, fantastic. I don't have any pictures here, unfortunately, to share with you. But uh, basically yeah. it goes from a dark color down to like a very, like a light yellow so you want to go from like dark poop to uh, almost no color at all? I like a ye- light, light yellow, almost like pea looking. Okay. Wow. Okay. And that takes about it's done over about two hours. I think they say about six or seven times you'll go to the you'll go to the bathroom. And now, can you go to work when you're doing this, or is this something that you've got to have a day off? Oh, you have to have a day off for sure. Yeah. Okay. Because you'll be at you have no. This is. When I heard my appointment was at two thirty, I thought, "Oh, I'll just go to the work, go to work," because it was close to the office. I thought I'll just go straight from work. But, and I asked the doctor. I said, "Should I stay home for the day?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, you definitely want to stay home for the day, because <laughs> you're basically at the bath at the toilet every fifteen minutes." 
Yeah, so you drank this stuff the morning of, like, you drank something the night before, and then you drank this other stuff the day of your actual surgery. That's right. Okay, so you're basically, like, crapping your pants uh, until you walk into the the OR. Kind of, kind of. I mean, you're you're sort of, they tell you if you haven't reached a certain stage of color by a certain time of the day that they say, call them and they'll instruct you whether or not you might need to come earlier and they'll uh, try to speed up the process or or come now we'll start I, I i they do tell you that you need to reach a certain stage by a certain time of the day or a couple hours like a certain time before the procedure otherwise they might need to take some other measures <clears throat> right okay but yeah i mean okay so i i i was pretty much finished and in, in terms of what what was called for with regard to this uh, evacuation we'll call it and um <laughs> and how okay so once i sorry before you go to the next stage i just want to know how urgent is it it's not like it's not yeah i thought about that too before i went through it i thought is this going to be where i'm where i should literally st- sit on the toilet for three straight hours should i be no farther than 20 feet from the toilet like is this going to be one of those you won't be able to control it when it comes things no it's right. it's just a feeling like oh i gotta go and then you gotta go you walk over yeah. and you go so it's not it's not quite like that okay anyway so the time it was for me to go to the appointment and yeah getting there was no problem i didn't feel like i had to go really while i was on my way there it was about a half hour to get get there by transit and uh went and and yeah they now keep in mind i'm in japan so this is this is it i can't believe you took transit by the way that's amazing but yeah yeah. i think i did yeah i'm pretty sure i did they said that transit would be okay going but when you leave not to because you'd be under some you know some drugs so you shouldn't be really taking driving or you know you got to be really careful with with it because you'll be woozy and stuff so Right. So anyway, I went uh went in and um had to get dressed in this special gown and d- uh, got asked a few questions and the 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 Japanese language capability or the English language capability was fairly strong, but still there was when you're getting a procedure like that, you you probably would feel a little more comfortable if it was English as the native language yeah. that you're dealing with. Right. So there I went, and um, I didn't get uh, didn't get put under. Okay, yeah. So talk about that because I know people who have been put under, and that was my general impression. And uh, you had said that. Well, we we both know people who have been put under, but you said that you ha- you weren't put under. No. So what did they do? No, they just put a needle in my my vein, like intravenous into my vein, and like in your arm. So I had to lay on the table. Like you, okay, so let me give set that set the picture. So the door opens up to the room where I'm going to have the procedure, and there's there's a guy in a blue gown with a mask on and look what look like safety goggles, and then <laughs> another. Well, you never know; there could be an accident, right? And then another guy at a computer terminal who kind of looked like he was the doctor, and then there was a a, a woman with. Uh, you know, look like a nurse, and she was. I was told she was going to be the one giving me the the um, the drugs. And so, 
but I really don't know what to expect. And I purposely, I didn't really read much on the procedure because I was in one of those, I don't want to know too much. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I laid down on the table and I thought, oh man, the worst thing I want to do here, let's face it, is like shit all over the table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yep. it was just this weird feeling. Like and I'm like, I'd be so embarrassed, first of all. And it's, again, the English part, like, it's Japanese. It's like, am I going to be looked at like this disgusting foreigner who can't control himself? And I tried to kind of ask questions. And like I said, I said, you know what, I I think I might want to go to the bathroom before I, but before we start, is that okay? And they sort of looked at me funny, like, well, why would you need to? That was how it felt anyway. And then I was worried had they already started pumping the drugs in, maybe I wouldn't even be able to get up. And I asked, have you put the drugs in yet? And the the nurse said, no, no. I said, is it okay if I go then? One more time, you know? Just <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I went, and I was in there for a little while. And, you know, of course, there's like a knock at the door. Like, are you okay? It's like, oh. <laughs> Like, all I can think of is, I guess this isn't normal, that someone's got to maybe go one more time. And so I said, yep, just a minute. And then I just wanted to be sure we were done, if you know what I mean. Uh Uh-huh. So anyway. Were you? No. I mean, I had a bit. I'm glad. I'm really glad I went. Let's put it that way. So. Right, right. Anyway, I got myself. I had to wheel the... um, the little IV thing through the hall, like you see that. Oh man! Oh, squeak, yeah, squeak, yeah. squeak, 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 squeak. Yeah. And uh, back into the room, and you know, That's perfect. Feeling judged, of course, right? Feeling judged, and um, and the, the guy with the blue goggles or whatever, he was gone, and maybe he had gone for a smoke break or something. And so I got back on the table and and uh, laid down. They said, "Okay, we're going to start giving you the drug now." And and I'm the the only thing I could think of was. Okay, you're giving me this drug in my arm, but you're about to do a procedure that basically is going to be going up my butt. How is this going to make me not feel that you're shoving this meter-long like tube up my body? By the way, if you had like crapped all over the table, I'm sure you would not have been the first person. No. Do you know how yeah. many procedures they've done? Like, I bet you it happens at least once a week. At least. Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't want to be another statistic. Yeah. Was it the, did the table have like a trough all the way around? No. That was the good question. That was one of the things that I was kind of looking for. I was looking for this to be like a stainless steel type of table that, Mm -hmm. you know, was used to like goopy liquids falling on it and, um, no, something you can easily just use the you know the Lysol spray and wipe it up. Yeah, it was like a dentist kind of chair, but it wasn't like a seat. It was like a table that could go completely flat and stuff. And so I'm like, this doesn't look like something that gets dirty very often. So I lay down there, and he explains to me. He says, "Okay, well, basically, you're gonna." He showed me on a picture of of the the body, like a like on a. a diagram like where he was going to go in and where the where the tube was going to to go up into a little chart yeah and he says all well, this things it's a it's a it's a meter long and of course you just picture the ruler sticks that they used in class like you just imagine oh, this thing is going to coil its way up into my body and 
So back to the to that anesthetic, I thought, I mean, how is this going to make me not feel something going? I mean, you're not like injected in my colon, not in my arm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I had to lay on my side and it started. And uh, yeah, it was weird. I mean, I think half of it was just the weird factor. It was just freaking weird. To, to- okay, so just just to go back for one second. So when the procedure starts... Where are the other two people? Um, the woman was sort of like beside me, but not. She wouldn't have a view of the the insertion, if you will. <laughs> what about Computer Man? Uh, Computer Man was doing the insertion. Okay, and then, so he was the doctor. Yes, and Goggle Guy, I I think he was in the background somewhere. I think he was like the one fe- feeding the tube. Mm. <laughs> You sure he was he was was he taking a picture like maybe I don't know maybe he he had the the camera he was putting it on YouTube yeah god so I think he was just kind of the technician like the helper so making sure there was enough slack in the tube and and stuff so um uh, so then he's going in and I I again you kind of want details but you don't and and you really don't know when it's gonna when it has it started yet how far are we into this thing. Like I kept thinking as I'm laying there, feeling so weird and feeling like this thing's you know kind of crawling up into my body. I had this. Did you feel anything? Yeah, a little bit. It felt kind of like just like a little little. I can't imagine a coat hanger going up like into the body. Oh, that would hurt though. A very. Jeez. But no, maybe more like a thin wire. You know, thin wire. Oh. Still, that does not make it I more know. appealing. I don't but know anyway. if this is helpful to people. So if anyone's getting too squeamish, just like shut this off and let. And I'll just tell you, it turned out fine in the end. But okay. all I could imagine was ten minutes into this, the worst fear I had was we haven't. You know, how far are we in? Like, you know, where are we at with this? Oh, we haven't even begun. Yeah, yeah, that would be my fear. Yeah. It's always a nice thing. I've had other procedures where I had some little thing removed off my face and the doctor was kind of poking at it. And then she left for like a minute and I said, okay, so when are you going to start? And she says, oh, it's done. It's like, I love that. That's the best thing that can happen. Oh, we're, yes. all, oh, we're already finished. Yeah, that's that's the best. So anyway, so she, so and he's in there and he's like, well, we're about half. Finally, he did give me a progress report. And I don't know if everybody else would want this, but for me, I was kind of looking for like a, a someone super casual and making cracking a lot of jokes. I think this job would really suit, especially when you're when you're doing it with guys. It really suited the. So are you following the Red Sox? You think they're going to win the World <laughs> Series? You're a big baseball fan? Like who's your favorite team? Typical dentist questions. Yeah, I the the, yeah. the, the procedure procedure really called for that type of a bedside manner and i was getting none of that so he goes in and he's oh then he says do you want to see on the screen on the camera like so he slides this monitor over and lo and behold there's my colon and he's going in through it just like you would see in in the videos the medical videos or you know those science shows you'd watch and he says okay oh i found a little polyp ah okay didn't really. He says, "Oh, let's see it there. It's a little polyp, very small." Okay, moves along a bit further. Says, "Oh, there's another little polyp." Like, "Oh, okay." And then, then he says, "Okay, now we're at the very top of where we're going. We're we're out of the, we're not going in any further." Like, okay, 
So then he starts coming back and he finds another polyp. He says, this one's a little bigger, eight, eight millimeters, I think it was. And he says, I want to remove it right now if we can. And I said, okay. I mean, I'd rather do it now than have to come back. And so he's there and he's, he's you know, I'm laying on the ground. I'm staring at the wall basically while he's doing his stuff. And he says, do you have Japanese medical insurance? Was he being funny? No. <laughs> no, not when the next line was, because it can be very expensive. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. So while he's in there digging around, yep. he starts asking you for medical insurance so he can remove polyps. Correct. Correct. Wow. All right. Kind of made me realize what it's like to be in the U.S., you know, a non-public yeah. health care system. Um, so, so... He he did remove them. Yeah. You do have Japanese uh, medical insurance. I have private medical insurance. So the okay. only answer to this man's question, as far as I was concerned, was yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because how it was going to get paid for wasn't a concern to me when he's like 75% of the way into my body with, with these tools and and I said, worst case scenario, I'm dropping my Visa card down and paying for it, right? How expensive could it be, you might ask. Uh, but I didn't care. I, mean, I said, I don't care what it is. And if it, isn't, if it is or it isn't covered, I'm, it's getting done. So anyway, he did his thing. Out he goes. And, uh, and then we went through the results after I wait, sort of recovered for about half an hour, just in a nice little look like a, one of those massage chairs, you know, those Japanese massage chairs. Sat mm-hmm. in one of those for about half an hour. And then, yeah, he walked me through. He said, we'll have these looked at by a lab, and they'll give you the results in about a week. And if there's, so He, he wasn't overly concerned. He, he wasn't overly concerned. How many polyps did he take off or cut? Three. Or whatever. Three. Take out. Three. Two very three. small okay. ones, like a one centimeter or two centimeters, and then one that was eight, eight centimeters. Eight, sorry, one millimeters. One millimeter. Yeah, okay centimeters geez yeah so he took them out said in his mind it looked okay but the things he was in there to look at like crohn's disease and other things that could have been maybe reasons for my ailments he didn't see any evidence of anything so the good news was we don't see any reason for your pain the good news is we found these polyps and removed them the bad news is we don't see any reasons for your pain and we can't really give you any help for that yet so yeah so i went in um fast fast forward a week and a half later i went in and the doctor told me you're fine everything looks okay now we just have to look at what's causing this discomfort for you it's nothing nothing to do with what we would have found in a colonoscopy so now it's time to move on to the next next step which is figure it out right is it diet is it uh, stress? I mean, yeah. maybe it's a combination of a number of different things. Yeah. 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 So. In her mind, it's probably stress-related, possibly diet-related. So we're now just looking at, well, what do we do? Maybe I have to say, I you know, with the way that we have Google, Dr. Google at our disposal, it's both a blessing and a curse. And I'll say there were things I was teaching her about, you know, like... There were some what I think fairly basic medic medicine. That's not something you want to hear. No, but I I think it's probably more common than you think. You know, I said, have you heard about leaky gut syndrome? It's like, 
uh, no. And I think some of it was a language translation. She could speak English, but it wasn't her first language. So have you ever heard of a FODMAP? Like, um, there's different foods can affect, you know, ferment in the body in certain ways. She had to look it mm -hmm. up. She's like, no, I don't know anything about this. And after I went and researched it a little more, I read there's not a lot of medical consensus around some of the things that go on with the gut. The gut's a funny, funny beast. It, it's got, it's like it's got its own brain in it. Yeah, I just had a conversation with Francis about this. And, uh, you know, there's a, I don't know which doctor it is, but maybe it was, uh, who was the one that wrote the, uh, the doctor, uh, hip, was it the hip, uh, there, there's a doctor mantra. Oh, hypocrite, hypocrite. Do no harm. You mean the, 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 the mantras do no harm. Yeah, that one. Hip, but Hippocrates it's, a, or hip, hip. It's something like that. Yeah. Hippocrates so, law or hypocrite. Yeah, yeah. So that doctor, I think at some point said something about how all disease starts in the gut. Mm-hmm. Or the origin of all disease is in the gut. Yep. And that's why I think that there's this huge push nowadays for healthier diet, lots of more, you know, more vegetables, uh, and then this huge craze where everybody is taking um, probiotics. Yeah. And, uh, yes. you know, to fill the gut with proper bacteria because the diets that Western people eat is really not that good. I mean, we've, we've talked about this. So you, you, we, our diet is backwards. We fill our plates uh, with more meat and and uh, starches and things like that and very, very little vegetables. And it should be basically three-quarters vegetables. Mm. And then, you know, you can throw a little meat in there for something. But we don't eat properly. So it's the Hippocratic Oath. That's the one one of the most widely known of Greek medical texts. It requires a new physician to swear by a number of healing gods to uphold specific ethical standards. One of them is do no harm. Right. First, do no harm. That's what it is. First, do no harm. Latin is primum non nocere, I think. So who was the doctor or doctors that came up with that? Well, it goes, I think it goes back, let's see, it's an oath historically taken by physicians. It's in its original form, it requires a new physician to swear by it. The Greek physician Hippocrates from 460 to 370 BC is the author of the oath. Hippocrates is often called the father of medicine in Western culture. There you go. So it goes back to 400 BC, basically. Mm -hmm. incredible yep so that that's that's it i'm kind of still in a little bit of a limbo with with i'm taking probiotics and i'm i'm i mean i've i've gone it, you really are your own advocate right like you go to these doctors and it's not like you have like a concierge or a, an attendant that can just hang out with you through your life and follow you to different doctors and take notes with you and and say well you went here let's go over there it's it's really just you just get pushed to one doctor if they can't figure it out. You you or they, but often you, have to decide where do you go next. Mm, yep, that's absolutely true. And and it's okay. I think that's frustrating for a lot of people. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, 
when I talked to, when I first started having these problems, I had suggested a colonoscopy right away, and the doctor said, well, no, no, that, that your symptoms don't indicate anything to do with needing, like with what you would, let's start with other things. Let's go get your blood tested. Let's look at your urine. Let's let's look at, you know, a bunch of other different things. So, um, yeah, because I, I had once heard there's something called Cleveland Clinic. There are these medical condi- these executive hospitals or executive clinics where they'll send like CEOs for companies to get full tests on like everything. It's like a whole day okay. of procedures and it's designed to try to catch stuff. And it's very opposite to the way most doctors or hospitals work these days. Doctors don't run full scans on everything. They start, there's a name for it. It's like elimination. They start with basic steps and and they hope they'll find it at a certain point but they don't just it's not like putting a diagnostic machine up to you like the way they might with a car and then just look at all the charts because you get things like false positives and things that can cause more trouble so the the typical style of medicine in in western in the western style is to go step by step rule out stuff and then kind of work backwards from there okay so um in the end everything turned out okay which is good yeah and you know um, you know what's funny i don't feel any pain right now down there so i don't know maybe somehow having when it, did you start taking probiotics couple of, um i started taking before or after oh a while back maybe six months ago a year ago and then okay. yeah kind of went off and on them wasn't very consistent with it so she gave me some probiotics. This doctor, the the one that I had um, went went to see about the colonoscopy, she gave me like some prescribed probiotics, which I'm mostly good at taking. But mm-hmm. that's it's getting older. I guess it's part of the deal. I guess. I mean, I I still feel like I'm. I, I used to feel like I was in my twenties, and now I don't. But uh, I don't feel like I'm, you know, approaching 50. Like, I don't feel like I'm in my late 40s. I still feel like I'm maybe in my 30s still. I don't know. That's good. What about you? Well, I yeah, I don't know. I mean, what does feeling like you're 50 mean or 40? The only thing you use is a reference to looking at older people. Like when you were 20 and you looked at your dad and said, oh, He's fifty. I wonder what it feels like to be fifty, or, or now he's my dad's seventy-seven. Like, what does it feel like to be seventy-seven? It, it's so hard to know what seventy-seven feels like when the only point of reference you have is when you're actually seventy-seven. You know. Yep. Yep. You're absolutely right. I got nothing to say to that. <laughs> Wouldn't it be interesting though if if and I don't, I don't know. It might, it might be a bad thing can you imagine if someone could hook something up to your body and said okay feel feel your present state for a moment just Mm. sit there now we're going to switch the electrodes in your body or however they would do this and say we're now going to change it to what your body felt like when you were 30 oh my god that would feel amazing that'd be weird it would feel amazing God, I know for a fact that my energy level is not the same as it was when I was 30. Wouldn't that be weird? It's, it's different. Yeah, imagine, it would be very weird. Imagine then they could say, okay, and you can get up. You get an hour to be 30. Go outside. 
go be 30 for an hour. And then you come back. And then they say, now, wait till you feel this. Now you're going to 20. Oh, that'd be awesome. Wouldn't that be wild? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody wants the fountain of youth, right? I mean, that's why the health industry is so, so popular and makes so much money. If you can find something in that niche, it's one of those industries that will never, I think, I think it will never fail. There will never be a time in history when everyone goes, yeah, I'm not really interested in health or, you know, uh, improving my current state of being. Like, even when you're in your 20s, you still want to feel, you wake up, there are mornings you feel like, oh my gosh, I feel horrible. I don't want to continue today, right? You you want to be able to find, uh, you know, that extra level of energy, right? So it'll never go away. That The, 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 the pursuit of uh, feeling younger will never go away. Well, I do think there's some people that are content to just not, want to improve maybe deep down they do there's a little sliver but there's plenty of people that just, <clears throat> i was just gonna say that, that do yeah. are content to just be 400 pounds and and not do anything with themselves i think there are certain uh, i no. i think deep down i think they want to change that yeah well that's that's where maybe virtual reality i think or augmented reality could have a lot of could have a lot of potential like take somebody who's 400 pounds put a slap a pair of goggles on them or a headset and i'm talking when it could get really advanced pumping different smells into into the air and changing the temperature of the room and really bringing some someone into an immersive experience maybe having them in a some type of a body thing that like anti-gravity type thing that would allow them to feel if you lost experience what it would be if you lost 200 pounds you would feel cooler yeah. you would feel lighter you would you would it would the smells would be different like it would just be this super different feeling that could maybe inject and i th- i mean I, this is i think a topic for another con- con- uh, episode but i really think the virtual reality thing has potential in so many different areas whether it's health oh yeah or huge confidence confidence levels imagine being able to immerse somebody in a world where they are confident and feeling very sure of themselves and there's probably some weird black mirror pitfall to this maybe like a twilight zone-ish sort of thing but Uh i think part of the problem is like they'll say you know you'll hear the expression fake it till you make it or self-affirmations imagine where virtual reality could take the self-affirmation world. You know, look, yep. look at the mirror. That's, I know I'm thin, you know, just whatever your typical self-affirmations are. Imagine being able to look into what looks like a mirror and it's you 30 pounds lighter. The the type Huge. of visual motivation and injection that could give you maybe every morning when you're deciding do i feel like running today do i feel like running today imagine you could stand in front of a mirror that says this is what you will look like if you get up and run today in you know and again tomorrow or whatever i think there's Mm -hmm. so much potential there yes huge again though this goes back to the whole uh health industry it's i mean it there's an infinite number of ways that 
you could go with this. Yeah. So, yeah, it's fantastic. So, I, I just the the funniest thought just kind of crossed my mind while you were talking about this colonoscopy, and I was just thinking, could you imagine trying to explain this to your five year old self? Uh, <laughs> can you imagine if you had the opportunity to turn uh, back time just for a second and um, yeah, and just being able to say, uh, you know, to five-year-old Clark. By the way, when you're uh, when you're 47 years old, uh, you know, you're going to undergo this procedure. Well, what kind of procedure? Uh, well, it starts like this, and <laughs> then just walk yourself through it. Mm. I'd love to see the face of that five-year-old. Well, remember the anyway. remember the commercial that one with the. I think there's a lot in that because you've seen commercials where they sort of do the preventative. Either you could take it like cigarettes with pictures of like cancerous lungs or cancerous livers or cancerous body parts or throats. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a little bit that the motivates people maybe to stay away from it. Uh, I, there was that commercial once where it's somebody smoking and every time they're inhaling, all these like veins appear mm-hmm. in their face. I don't know if you ever remember that. I do not remember that at all. Yeah, I'll see if I can dig it up. But even something like, if you continue this lifestyle, imagine imagine being able to go into a virtual reality where you're laying on a table while they're doing open heart surgery on you or something. Oh, yeah. Scary. Yeah. Eh? No, Wild. Fantastic. Wild. That kind of stuff would be great. Yeah. Okay. Are we going to end on anything somewhat bubbly? Do you have anything there? Or should we... Uh... I'm trying to... I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I like this discussion. I think it was good. It was. Uh, I tried to throw a little bit of humor into it, and so did you. I mean, it's an important topic, you know, uh, for men. Uh, I know it affects women as well, but I think there's sort of a little bit of a double whammy with men. Um, I think we're more susceptible to uh, colon cancer. I don't know that for sure. It's, I'm not. I, I don't have an actual statistic in front of me. Yeah. But I know uh, we are also definitely uh, biologically uh, the only ones uh, capable of being affected by prostate cancer, which I know they also check yeah. when you're in there. So um, it's it's an important topic. We have to talk about it, and I think. Over the years, I think people have become less and less, um, you know, before it was something you didn't talk about. People just didn't talk about colon cancer or having an invasive procedure where they stuck a camera up there and looked around. Whereas now, you can have this conversation in a pub and and strangers will join in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I had one of those the other day. You know, like, it's it's very common and I think people are very concerned about it because... Even though it's a slower-moving cancer, it is still a killer. And, um, you know, if you catch it early, you're fine. If you catch it too late, I mean, you're effed. Yeah. Like, there's, you're not coming back, right? So um, it's a serious topic. It's good to talk about. And not everything has to be funny. So I don't know. I don't think we need to... We don't have to end on a light note or a funny note. I think uh, this was informative, and informative is good. Well, I'll say one thing, that I was flipping through Facebook the other day, and a friend of mine, he took a picture of himself with his wife on the Seine River. (laughs) 
And I <laughs> could you see one of the toilets? I asked him. I shot him a note. I haven't looked to see if he's responded yet, but I did write. Did you see any urinoirs there? Oh man, that is awesome. I if I ever make it over there, I've got to find. I totally have to take piss in the one. search I do. for the urinoir. <laughs> <laughs>